All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on DailyFaceOff.com. Welcome to episode 14. Man, how time flies in the DFO rundown. I'm Jason Greger, once again with Frank Saravalli. 14 episodes, Frank. It just feels like yesterday. 14 deep. Love it. Um, what's with the uh, hoodie you got going on there? This is from Conquer COVID-19. If you remember uh, at the start of the pandemic, Haley Wickenheiser and Ryan Reynolds were involved with Conquer COVID-19. They had some, quote, boring gear, T-shirts, hoodies, hats, all sorts of stuff that went out uh, to help raise money for frontline workers. And they did an unbelievable job, more than $2 million they raised for charity. And they took a brief time off, closed that down, and a lot of the same group is back, uh, and they're also selling the same similar boring merchandise. And I bought a hoodie, and you, you can see a hat behind me as well. Just an unbelievable cause in what they do. So I wanted to give them a plug and, and also wear the gear as well. Uh, may not be much to it, but it's comfortable, and all the money goes directly to frontline workers. And some of my teammates at TSN, Gino Retta and Pierre Lebrun, have also uh, they've taken that merchandise directly to them and the videos and pictures that they've had, like it tells a lot, like this pandemic has been going on for a long time. And to, to see that people are still thinking of our frontline workers, it, you could see how emotional they get. So it hits home. Oh, I can imagine. And I have a few, uh, my neighbors actually are both frontline workers and that is a, that's a tough job. So uh, hats off to all the men and women who are doing that. So uh, that's awesome. Now, 
Um, before we get to uh, our, our Friday uh, roundtable where we discuss a lot of trades, um, I, I've asked of all our guests, but I don't think I've actually asked my co-host, uh, what's your cocktail of choice? So my cocktail of choice is a Jack and Coke. Uh, and I we're taping this on Thursday night. I may or may not have had a Jack and Coke with a plate of wings tonight. And I got to tell you something fun. So you have a seven-year-old. I have a six-year-old. I introduced my son to the chicken wing over the weekend and he loves it. Never had one before. I always kind of thought like too spicy, like kind of a weird thing to explain to a kid as to exactly what it is that they're eating. And he had one and he, he asked me like, that was over the weekend. He asked me, tonight, he goes, dad, you're done work. He's like, let's go get some wings. And I'm like, dude, in let's go right to the pub. And the best part about this, our little local pub is uh, they have a game room with all these like arcade games and you can kind of like open up the door and they, you know, they're in that room. They can't go anywhere else. So you just kind of let them in, load their card up with some, some tokens and some money and boom, you can sit there, have a drink, eat your wings, enjoy yourself and get a little quiet time. So you're having beer and wings and your son's playing video games. What's wrong with that? It sounds Dad like the, the best, year, best Thursday year, night right ever. My, my wife came, we brought our daughter. It was perfect. Oh yeah. Hey, taking the kids to the pub early. I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> well, we are, we're inching closer to a trade deadline and uh, we'll see which guys are celebrating and uh, celebrating for different reasons. Geez, I unloaded this guy or what have you, but let's start in the East because the, the New York Rangers, I wrote it at the, at the, at the nation network about how I believe the New York Rangers, just because of Boston's schedule and Philadelphia's inability to stop goals from going in that the New York Rangers are a team don't sleep on them especially if their power play gets going. But do you make anything of the fact, Frank, that they continue to win without their head coach? I already mentioned in a previous episode, I think it was episode 12 last Friday, that, yeah, there, I think there is something to it. You know, they stomped the Philadelphia Flyers without David Quinn. Obviously, he needs to sit out, and his coaching staff sits out with COVID-19 and some contact tracing. And I think there was some excitement there. And – I think this hot streak that they've been on, look, you know, having a new coach, the analytics guys say that that wears off after two or three games. Um, I think there just seems to be a buzz around this team. And I don't think it's related to looking at the standings. I think even the New York Rangers themselves, their players, their staff, they realize what a tall order that is to overtake the Bruins. You know, the Bruins are going to have five, six games in hand. And so they've got a lot of runway left. And everyone believes that we're still going to get to 56 games. So uh, the Rangers have certainly played better. And I think what the Rangers run has been a real indictment on has been the Flyers. You know, they're neck and neck now with the Flyers in the standings, Jay. And um, I just think the way that team has crumbled has been fascinating. Carter Hart has really struggled in net. Uh, they've struggled to score. They just, they just haven't had the work ethic and the drive uh, that made them such a successful team last season that I thought was ready to take the next step. And now, you know, I previously had the Flyers as a firm buyer, one of the you know few eight or nine teams this season that would be looking to buy. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. Are they a seller? I think they're one of those neutral teams. Like, I don't know what exactly they have to sell off. Yeah, no, that's fair. I was looking like they don't, they don't have a ton of, uh, of big names available, but I wonder if the New York Rangers suddenly, um, because I, I, I looked at the numbers and the New York Rangers lead the NHL in power play opportunities per game. 
but their power play, you know, heading into Thursday's game was 26. Now I know Zabanajad scored two power play goals already. And I, and I wrote about it like last year, he had 15. And if he could get going on the power play here down the stretch, you know, the Rangers might be a team where suddenly like, do you think that there's any way that the Rangers uh, are able to, uh, um, you know, make a deal, not only to help their team, but also unload the big contract that they got sitting at home doing nothing. I'd be surprised. I mean, they've tried a lot with Tony D'Angelo and I, you know, I think there's going to be my guess. This is just a pure guess. I have no inside knowledge that between now and April 12th, at least one team calls to say, Hey, what's the deal with Tony D? Uh, can we find a way to work something out? And I don't think it's a question of the Rangers. I just, you know, I think there's so much attached to it that, you know, it's going to take a significant injury, I think, in order to make that happen and can't rule that out at this time of year. But I, I don't think that the Rangers, I think they're another deadline neutral team. There's so many of them this year. And I think that's one of the things that's made this so complicated at the deadline. You know, we're all hoping that, you know, there's some watershed moment and perhaps this reduction from 14 days down to seven on the quarantine will help. But so many more teams than normal. It feels like they're not sellers and they're not buyers. And so I think the Rangers are in that category. I think the Flyers, as I mentioned, the Dallas stars, there's lots of teams that are like, well, we're in for a dime. We're in for a dollar. That's the Rangers mentality this season. We've gotten hot before in the season. They weren't as competitive as they thought they'd wanted to be or, or expected to be. And now they're kind of getting to that level. And it's been the team that a lot of people in that organization thought they had, but it doesn't mean you go out and add someone. And by the way, you mentioned this is a ad. This is a good referendum on him coming back alive again. A lot of people thought his success last year wouldn't be, he wouldn't be able to duplicate that. And now I think uh, he's showing a little bit of that magic again. Well, he was on fire last year in the second half of the season. The way he like, ended was yeah, unreal. Like it was ridiculous. Is like on a pace for like 58 goals or something. But, you know, another team, Matthias Ekholm's name has been out there for a long time, but suddenly the Predators, because Chicago has come back to the pack, and Nashville has, of those four teams, Dallas, Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville, they have the most favorable schedule. They don't, they have the fewest games against those top three teams in that division, Tampa, Carolina, and Florida. Do you think suddenly David Poyle looks and says, Hmm, I got Matthias Olin for another Matthias Ekholm, excuse me, for another year. Now suddenly we're just going to make status quo, or maybe they add a small piece to get into the postseason. I think that's a lot of what they've been thinking. And tell you what, there's a lot of teams that are frustrated. They're saying, wait a second, last week or 10 days ago, you were a seller. And I was saying to James Duffy, we did a hit about our trade bait board uh, during the Sens game the other night. And I said, if you're looking for a team to blame James with the lack of activity around the deadline, I said, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. Cause they've gone and screwed it up for everyone with the way that they've fallen back to earth and they've been playing 350, 400 hockey for the last two weeks. So they're plummeting. And meanwhile, these other teams, they're not even world beaters. The, the stars, the blue jackets, the Preds, like they've all just kind of been treading water 450, 500, 550 hockey. No, no one's lighting the world on fire. There's no seven win seven out of nine or eight out of 10 to get back in the mix. They're just sort of there, but because the Blackhawks have fallen back, they've opened up the barn door for everyone. There's a good farming reference for you to get back in the race. And I, I think is frustrated the teams that thought that you know, Nashville would have already chosen this point to sell. 
Yeah, well, it, it kind of illustrates how tight it is. Like the top three teams in every division, for the most part, to me, look like locks to make the playoffs. And then there's a few battles for fourth place. Some there's really no battle. I'm not sure there's a battle in the North Division. We'll get to that uh, later on uh, as they change the quarantine rules from 14 to seven. And that probably impacts the top three Canadian teams for sure. But when you look at a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, who right now are comfortably in a playoff spot and historically they've always been aggressive, but they don't have Jim Rutherford anymore. Where do you come out on the penguins? Um, obviously they're not sellers, but are they going to be buyers at all? I think they're going to be buyers at a very specific price point. And I think you can put, and we'll talk about them later as well. The Edmonton Oilers in the same category, they're not going to be selling off assets. That's not what Ron Hextall does. He's an accumulator. He's trying to stockpile as much as possible, particularly for an organization that has traded away top picks like candy over the last number of years with Jim Rutherford with Jim Rutherford. It was always, what can we do to extend our window as long as possible? Since we have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin first round pick short top prospect, whatever it takes, we're trying to win as many Stanley cups as possible. And that's admirable, but when you have a, a long-term organization plan on your big board to, to operate and fulfill, it's hard to do that when you don't have those, those picks and players in your pipeline. And so um, I, I think they're looking for a center very specifically. And I, I think it's more on the depth side, you know, third, fourth line, but they're looking for someone that can come in and contribute. And, and frankly, the pens have played quite well when yeah. Hextall and, and Brian Burke were hired they were sort of right in that soup with the Flyers. And in fact, the Bruins were ahead of him. The Bruins have come back and then they've sort of launched themselves up again. But the Penguins have been, they've been really good the last number of games. And I think it's maybe even surprised if that's a fair word, the Hextall and, and Burke contingent that has come in there, that they recognize that this is a group that they can add to, but not at the expense of the future. Yeah, I don't think they'll give up a lot. You mentioned a depth center. Uh, one guy who seems to be, we know his team's not making the playoffs, uh, Luke Glendening. He's very good on faceoffs. Um, you know, he, he he's not great five on five as far as uh, possession goes, but maybe that's because his team's terrible. But, uh, you know, Glendening, is that a fit for Pittsburgh? I think he would be. I think um, Glendening would be a fit for a lot of teams. I think Glendening would fit in Philly. I think they asked about him. Uh, in the previous years, when Mike Babcock was in Toronto, the Leafs were asking about Luke Lundenning. And he's one of those players that not a big name, not splashy, not sexy, doesn't have a big cap hit. He just gets in and does the work. And I think that's what's made him so appealing to a lot of teams. He's consistent. Uh, his production is actually up somewhat this year offensively. And I think the Edmonton Oilers are in that group as well. Now, speaking of uh, trades and signings, there was a real big uh, announcement uh, today in the uh, in the sporting world of covering the National Hockey League. And uh, we have a special guest joining us. He's the uh, CEO, the president, the grand poobah. I'm not sure what his exact <laughs> title is of the uh, Nation Network, uh, Jay Downton, to, uh, to announce a big signing that, of course, uh, impacts the, the DFO Rundown podcast, uh, Daily Faceoff, and, and all the properties. Jay, how you doing? Doing good, gentlemen. How are you? I'm I'm good. What what is your official title? Like I know you wear a well, lot of hats. I guess as part of this now, I was uh, I was forced to give myself one. So uh, I'm I am the acting CEO until we can find someone who is actually smart. 
Oh, okay. Well, hey, that's that's all good. Well, tell us about the big announcement. Uh, um, you know, buying in. I guess uh, it's not really. I guess it's kind of a sign, but it's an acquisition for the uh, the Nation Network uh, to expand our sports coverage. Yeah. So we have uh, formed a uh, investment partnership with a local company here in Edmonton called Altitude Investments. Uh, we started meeting with them in October and shared with them kind of the vision we had for the network uh, and. We've sensed a lot of alignment. They see the potential in this space. Uh, so, you know, a few months later and many more conversations and uh, delving deep into paperwork, we were able to announce our partnership today. So Altitude is coming in uh, as, a, as an equity investor into the Nation Network to, to fund and give us runway to ramp up the network uh, and, you know, build a 360 NHL content strategy off the back of DFO, uh, launch new properties and form partnerships with uh, yourself, with, with Frank and, and, and Gregor for the DFO rundown, uh, do partnerships like John Scott, be, uh, bring dropping the gloves into hockeyfights.com. Uh, it'll give us the ability to form and, and, and uh, knit together a bunch of new properties, uh, bring on a bunch of new Canadian uh, and American uh, sports journalists that want to write about hockey uh, and improve the user experience for current state nation readers and allow us to kind of build something that can attract more audience and uh, grow our, uh, our, our, you know, so far to date, uh, large global community. So Jay, what's the first thing that fans will see? Like if you're a regular nation network reader, what, what's the first thing you're going to notice? Well, the first thing, you know, it's actually is launching this. I knew this was happening uh, about, about six, seven weeks before it closed. So, uh, you know, working with you guys and starting the DFO rundown was the, the first step of this plan. So what, what readers in, in the audience and community can, can expect is we're now going to be doing a complete uh, retheme and redevelopment of Daily Faceoff. Daily Faceoff is a fantastic uh, fantasy tool. Uh, and has a large, large league-wide community already attached to it. Uh, so now we're going to be retheming the site and building it so it can better serve our fantasy community and also serve uh, the, the just the, the hockey audience and hockey fans with a league-wide coverage and gamblers. Uh, so and gamblers. That's right. So there's going to be we'll be bring, building tools for fantasy, building tools for gambling, bringing in content people for that, building con uh, content properties like podcasts and whatnot to serve those communities. So. Essentially, we just want to give everything that, 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 that hockey fans need, whether it be analytics or just, you know, insider news, or if it's legitimately just, uh, legitimately just lifestyle content around being a fan, or if you're a degenerate like myself and like to gamble on sports and bet on hockey, uh, then tools to help us make those decisions. Well, that's awesome news, man. We're excited to be a part of it. We're happy to put faith in Frank and I to, uh, to start off the podcast. I know we're going to have uh, lots more launching uh, likely uh, before the start of next season uh, into the summer. We look for the new face of uh, Daily Faceoff and how that's going to be now the hub of everything and, and branch out from there. We look forward to it. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Before I go, Gregor, I have to send you a heartfelt thank you. You've been uh, with us since day one. Uh, you've joined the team. You're a partner of this team. And uh, a lot of this momentum that we're created is because of all of your efforts. So thank you. Oh, hey, I appreciate that, man. That's I nice. Hey, Jay, I have a request too. Uh, you see me wearing the, the conquer COVID swag. Can you get me some nation network swag? Like, like can you sit, can you oh. ship it across the border? Uh, are, do you want to wear a neon Leon tee? I'll happily send you one. I'll take whatever I'm in. <laughs> no, we'll definitely get you some. Thanks, Frank. 
Awesome. So there's uh, Jay Downton, the uh, acting CEO of the uh, the Nation Network. Uh, that's a huge investment, and for uh, sports fans, I can tell you, I know a lot of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. There's there's going to be lots more just interactive stuff. Uh, it's going to be a one-stop shop for, for everything, for more insider stuff, uh, for more articles, podcasts, uh, gaming stuff, and, and lots of just fun fandom. So uh, it's going to be awesome, Frank. I look forward to it. Happy that you're a part of it moving forward. Yeah, really glad to be on board. And that wasn't just a plug for free swag. Like I've been noticing uh, producer Tyler stuff when he hops on with us where you'll be on again for buy or sell later. And he's always got something cool that he's wearing from Oilers Nation. And so... Get me, I'm in. I want more. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Well, they'll get it to you. Those guys love their swag. They, I think, over the years, they've made probably like, I'm no, no joke, like unique over a hundred pieces of just very unique stuff that's specific for that. And yeah. fans love it. So it, it's unique because we don't make a lot of it. They only make like a hundred of one type. So not a, so you know that it's not going to get overused because the last thing you want is to go somewhere where, well, unless you're at a game and everybody has the same jersey, but you don't want to go to a party and everybody wears the same shirt. It's the worst. Exactly. Now let's get to, uh, we start in the East, let's get to uh, some of the teams in the West. And I guess we'll start in the North Division because of course, uh, huge news for the Canadian teams and even for the American teams, because for those looking to make trades with potential Canadian teams, uh, the, the odds of those trades happening now go up a little bit because the quarantine rule changed from 14 days down to seven days, which makes a lot of sense. We've been discussing this for weeks. It was just common sense because the, the American players are basically in kind of a bubble anyway, but specifically Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, I think those three teams are locks to make the playoffs. And Montreal, despite having to play 25 games in their final 44 days, <laughs> they're in a very good position as well. Yeah. Of those four, like Winnipeg and Toronto seem the most likely to want to make a deal. Who do you think ultimately makes the most? And which team, like we, we know what Edmonton's kind of looking for. Winnipeg's still on the defense. Like is Dave Savard, is it like Savard or bust for the Jets? I don't know if it's Savard or bust. I think they also have some intrigue in, in Matthias Ekholm as well, but uh, you know, you can kind of parse it out, right? So you've got Maple Leafs looking for a forward. I mentioned on insider trading earlier in the week that I believe Mikhail Granlin is their primary target from Nashville. And it, it, you know, we've talked about Nashville suddenly kind of climbing back into the race. Well, the longer that drags on, if the price doesn't change, the Maple Leafs are going to have to revert to plan B or plan C, go down their list. You know, I don't know who those other guys are. I think there's some interest in Nick Felino. I think there's some interest in, you know, maybe a Kyle Palmieri. I, I think there's some interest in Ricard Raquel. So those would be the guys I think on their list, but I'm, I don't have that for 100% certainty. Then you've got the Jets, as you mentioned, with their portion on D. And then the Oilers, which I also mentioned on Insider Trading, is a very, very specific target and a specific price that they want to play pay. It's not splashy. We, we touched on Glenn Denning. Um, it's a right shot center that can kill penalties and, and win faceoffs. So the one it's not, I don't even call it glaring, but the one spot that you can look at the Oilers on paper and say, how could they get a little bit better? It's, it's their PK. It's kind of remain static and could use a little bit of help. And the best way or the easiest way to help your PK is to start off with possession, right? Winning faceoffs. The Oilers have a 42% win rate shorthanded. And if you can win a few more, Glenn Denning tops in the league, has a relationship with Ken Holland uh, from his days in Detroit. 
and he's got a low cap hit, but here's the price portion for the Oilers. As you know, they've traded their second, third, and fifth round picks. So what they're looking for is to get a player like that, if it's not Glendening himself, for a fourth round pick. And so can Ken Holland make that magic happen? We'll see. And I, I think that's why it may wait kind of until the deadline itself, April 11th, 12th, in that range to see if prices can drop uh, and, and if teams can get ahead of it, that they could you know, make something happen. Uh, two other teams in Canada who's, I think, like Brandon Sutter, Pearson, uh, you look at Hamannix, a UFA, uh, you look at the Calgary Flames, Derek Ryan uh, is somebody I think there's a right shot. Now he's got a pretty high cap hit that, you know, the Flames probably have to eat that. Problematic, um, right? You know, there's still Sam Bennett, I guess, floating out there. The Flames and the Canucks, you know, this week, Vancouver, like they played 37 games. They're not making the playoffs. Man, did the Oilers... Like- they got yeah. some. They got some help without even having to do anything. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, they their playoff odds went up by not playing games because Calgary can't beat Ottawa, and and Vancouver's just not that good. Let's let's be honest. They don't have Elias Pettersson, so you know they. I know that a few weeks ago they're like, well, we're not sure, but clearly to me, unless they're delusional, they are a seller at this point. Uh, Pearson is currently injured right now. Mm-hmm. Um, heard different reports on whether or not he'll be available, like how quick before the deadline or not, but like how much value do you think Brandon Sutter has? How much interest around the league? I think there's been varying degrees of interest. I think the, the issue has been the cap hit. Uh, you hit it right on the head. Derek Ryan, same thing. I think the Calgary flames would have loved to have unloaded Derek Ryan at a certain point. I think he went through waivers twice, if I'm not mistaken, uh, varying points this year. And you just can't take the full cap hit. So now that the flames have, you know, in my opinion, clearly fallen out, I think in Daryl Sutter's math equation, they've fallen out too. I mean, what did he say before the game, the last game against the Sens, 16 wins in their what final 22, like how many teams in this division are winning 16 out of 22. Funny enough that we should say that because the Oilers have won 17 of their last 25, if I'm not mistaken. So they're the one team that's sort of been in that mix. Uh, you take out that three-game spell, that sweep against the Leafs, and you know the Oilers are—they've been on a tear. So 16 out of 22, not happening. It just isn't. The math gets fuzzy. Something's off there. Um, you know, Johnny Gaudreau in on a two-on-two against the Sens and fires the puck in the corner. Like, just doesn't feel right. And the Canucks have never been in it. And really at all this season. So to me, there's been a clear delineation. And if these teams want to get themselves into the soup that the Preds are in, that, you know, they're somehow thinking that they're in the mix when, you know, look at the Preds, minus 30 gold differential, something close to that. Not a playoff team, but if you want to sell to your ownership and if you want to sell to your fan base that you are, go ahead. Do you think there's, does Nick Ritchie have any value? I don't know. I should say. Yeah. I mean, there might be a little bit. Um, I don't know. The teams are knocking down your door to get him. No, I just, I look at a big body who can skate and is physical. And I just, we know in the playoffs, like those guys, guys that are unheralded and they become really good, important pieces for some teams that have a ton of scoring depth. And they say, Hey, we just need a big body that can skate and go up and down wings, you know, and maybe create some energy because the one thing I've found at times, Frank is 
players have openly admitted that it is hard to get energy going, right? And so energy guys, I wonder, even though some, some buildings have fans, definitely the North doesn't, it doesn't look like they're going to have any yet by the start of the playoffs. And, and even only some of them in the States, like, I wonder if, if coaches and GMs are talking and, and if energy guys, I use that in quotes, might have a little bit more value this year just because you don't have the fans to create that energy for you that you have in the playoffs. Well, I mean, people look at the playbook from the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, right? And they're, you know, they got kind of energy guys, so to speak, and, and gave yeah. up a lot to get them. So, you know, I don't want to turn the DFO rundown into the Luke Lundenning fan podcast, but like that's the type of guy that we're talking about. It, it's someone that brings his lunch pail and shows up all the time. And the one thing that's missing about Glenn Denning is the the Red Wings have been so bad for the last number of years that we haven't seen him. There's been no reminder, at least with Sam Bennett, you know, there's kind of been that, you know, the flames get in the last number of years. Yeah. And he, everyone knows he is, and they talk about it and they say, that's why Sam Bennett has value. We don't have that sort of same example set from a guy like Glenn Denning recently to, to remind everyone of that. And I, I think he perfectly fits that bill. Now let's get to the West division where Vegas and Colorado, uh, you know, the top dogs, Minnesota has been very consistent this year. Uh, St. Louis, like those teams look like they're in, although the blues have a really tough schedule of all those Mm -hmm. four teams. They have the toughest schedule by far and Arizona just keeps grinding it out and they're close. But I look at Colorado, Eric Johnson reports are, they don't think he's going to come back. Um, They clearly need a backup goalie, Frank, like Grubauer is right in there with his numbers. I looked at him today with Vasilevsky and Fleury. Really good. He is right there. And you got a better goals against average in both of them. So they could get a backup goalie. And we saw it last year, what happened in the postseason. Like you got to think Joe Sackick's going to look like Dave Riddich, you know, Devin Dubnik in San Jose is possibilities. Like they got to add another goalie, I think in Colorado. And if they could with all their forwards and Miko Rantanen and McKinnon, like y- your window's there, but it doesn't last forever. Is this the year that you think they, they owe it to them to go get a defenseman as well? I think so. I mean, this is a team that we all thought was winning the Stanley cup this year. They've had an underwhelming season, partially due to injury. They've been all over the place with their injuries. You take Kel McCarr and Bowen Byram out of your lineup for a number of weeks, and any team's going to struggle. Um, Grubauer has been so good. They're crossing their fingers that he doesn't get hurt because if not, he certainly looks like a guy that can carry a team. And, and people forget the year that the Caps won the Cup with Braden Holpe in net. It was Philip Grubauer that actually started the first two games of the playoffs for them. Uh, and they almost got bounced against Columbus because of that tough start. But I, I think he's a guy that could easily carry the load. The guy I'd be looking at as the backup is Jonathan Bernier. Like for yeah. me, I know he's day to day with his injury, but he's a guy that's played so well this year on a bad team. Last I checked, he had eight of the Red Wings, nine wins this year, which is incredible. And he doesn't have a huge cap hit and he's played for your team before. You know what he's like. You you know, he's an easy guy to bring in for not an exorbitant cost. I don't think that just makes too much sense. I'm going to throw a name out for you, Frank. Now I know you've been, you've been, and so wait, we're saying, season. by the way, we're saying Jonas Johansson is not the answer, right? No, no, I don't believe he's the answer. No. Um, I don't, cause I don't believe the stars can make it in. Ben Bishop's coming back. Ottinger has been pretty good. Would you contemplate if you're Dallas and Colorado comes calling for Hudobin, would you make that deal? Mm, no, because I think they signed Hudobin to be their their guy. It's not Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop's hurt every time. 
Yeah. Every significant moment, critical juncture in your season, Ben Bishop ain't the guy. And is Hudobin, so, is, can Hudobin be the the regular? I think Hudobin's a better is like a in a in a one B format. I don't. I, I know he had the great bubble last year, but being a starter year after year is different than being a backup or hot. It is. I think he falls into the latter category. Possible, but then who? If you're the stars, what, you, what who are you going to get? I think they're going to go with Ottinger. Ottinger has been better than Hudobin this year. I think he's the young guy coming up. So he's he's your Ilya Samsonov, your Igor Shostorkin, your yep. your guy that you can turn to and say we're going to let you carry the ball. And, and then I guess Ben Bishop, ben Bishop is his one B expensive backup, yeah, because right. you're you're not paying out your big money. Interesting. I hadn't really given it any thought, but I, I mean, I could see a world in which that makes sense, right? Like I look at Joe Sackick, and because it gives Colorado a guy under contract for two years and Grubauer needs a contract extension. We know he's, they're probably going to want to resign him, of course, but I just look at them. And after what happened last year, Joe Sackick has always proven to be very astute and he's patient, but I think he'll recognize and, and he pulls that, off trades that are good. Like I like his trade. His, his trading resume is pretty solid. It, yeah. It's really good. I mean, look like just even recent history, uh, you know, I think that cadre trade has worked out so well for them. Oh. Um, you know, there's a number of them and, you know, not to mention the Duchesne one, like that was highway robbery, but I is, is Hudobin more than they want to pay for a number two cap wise. Like that's a team that's already, you know, we were looking yeah, two fair. years ago, we were saying like, wow, the Colorado avalanche, like have a, a literal mountain of cap space but it gets used up really quickly. Right. And then, you know, at a certain point, they're going to have to pay McKinnon again. I know it's not the immediate future, but you have to start budgeting for it and you're going to have to pay McCarr. And I don't know. Um, geez, like it just, it might feel like a little bit more cap wise than they want to spend. Well, you could then expose I was just saying for this year, you could expose them and potentially lose them to Seattle in the expansion draft. Right. True. Because you do wonder if that's, you know, they're going to have to expose some guys in, in Dallas, right? So it's just an interesting name when I look at what I think they need and try to think outside the box. Of, because mm -hmm. Devin Dubnik in San Jose, I'm not sure he's the answer. I agree with you on Bernier if he's healthy. And, you know, Dave Riddich has bounced back after a slow start in, in Calgary this season. He's been much more consistent his last few starts. But I just, I think Colorado, Joe Sackick, he's not going to go into this, the same situation. And Grubauer, unfortunately, you mentioned, Frank, he does have injury history. So yeah. I think you want to get a backup that you feel might play more than just a backup role. Yeah. Let me throw this team at you as the wild card in the West, Arizona. I don't think anyone has a, a real clue what Bill Armstrong is going to do in his first deadline as a GM. Well, I was, I was looking at their numbers, like they're right there and they have a much more favorable schedule than St. Louis. Like St. Louis has a ton of games against Colorado. I think they have six. They got four against Vegas. Uh, they play Minnesota three or four times. Um, they only play Arizona twice because they've already had that seven game series. Like I'm with you. Like, I know there's lots of talk about, you know, Darcy Kemper. That's a goalie. A lot of teams would like to get, but you know, Arizona, I, that franchise, I just get the sense that they want to go for it. And I don't think they're going to sell off. Like they went for Taylor hall last year and I know they, they would like to recoup some picks, but I think they'd like to get in the playoffs for their fan base. Well, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to get in the playoffs They're I think they're a team though, that recognizes that the, this core of the team as currently assembled doesn't have enough juice to get in on a regular basis. So yeah, maybe fair. they sneak in as the fourth, but you know, what's a short playoff series going to do for you as a franchise. Um, it's not a momentum crew, you know, maybe it's a momentum creator, but that core as assembled can't be a momentum sustainer. And 
I, I think everyone gets the sense Bill Armstrong wants to, you know, boom goes the dynamite, detonate this and explode it. But where do you start? I mean, I'd be real surprised if Alex Goligoski is a coyote on the back end of the deadline. He's not coming back there. Um, the one I don't understand though is Connor Garland. His name's been in the rumor mill, and I I know they haven't engaged in an extension talk yet. He's an RFA. God, the guy just produces. He's yeah. tiny, but he's a he's a he's a machine. You, yeah. you, like you set it and forget it because he shows up and he works and he scores and it's impressive. But now you got to pay him, right? So he's been almost a point per game player this year, coming off of a deal that pays him seven seventy five, and he's what does he get between five and six million? He's going to average about twenty six goals over his first three full seasons. Like if you were to extrapolate that out over 82 games, had some, you know, joined the first year. I think he played 43 games. Last year was a shortened season. This year is a shortened season. So over an 82 game stretch, 26 goals. Does that get you between five and 6 million bucks? Something like that somewhere in that neighborhood. So they're going to have to pay him, but why, but why would you trade a guy like that? Yeah, he's an RFA. That to me, that'd be foolish. That would just be an organization going backwards, once again. Uh, Frank, uh, let's get to our favorite segment. Welcome in uh, producer Tyler for buy or sell. Ty, oh, how you doing, my man? I am good. I'm good. I got all my Fresh Nation gear on just to just to show it off a little bit to Frank. Love it. Uh, all right, guys. Before we get into buy or sell, just a reminder: it is brought to you by Jock Market. You can check them out, JockMKT. Dot com. It's a hybrid between fantasy sports and the stock market. It is a ton of fun. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's available in the States and the promo code DFO 20 gets you a $20 deposit bonus. It's coming soon to Canada. And in the spirit of jock market, I got a couple of players I'm putting on my watch list for the week. These are guys whose stock I think might rise up. Pavel Buchnevich in New York. It looks like he's finding his scoring touch a little bit there. And Jack Campbell in Toronto. He sounds like he's taken over the crease for Freddie Anderson. That's a guy who his stock might still be a little low. And it might shoot up here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, your first buy or sell. You talked about the Calgary Flames. You both kind of agreed. They seem to be just dead in the water right now. So I'm saying Johnny Goudreau will not be a flame next season. The Flames are going to miss and trade him away. Frank, I'll start with you. Johnny Goudreau will not be a flame next season. Bye. I just think something's got to give with that core. I think Brad Tree Living has been hesitant to trade Johnny uh, to this point. I think actually from my understanding the the talks that Brad Tree Living had last offseason involved moving Sean Monahan instead so we'll see which path they choose to go down but one of those guys for 100% certainty is not coming back next year maybe you know maybe 100% is too strong 99.9 uh they're making a change to that core i'm going to sell only because the flames are a team that struggles to score. And now you're going to trade away their most purely gifted offensive player. And I get that he's been there and all those sorts of things. But th- th- to me, when you can't score and you trade off your best score, well, now just, you're just compounding your problem. So I'm going to say sell, even though I understand all the rationale <laughs> and part of me wants to say bye, but I just, I'm going to go sell because I think Daryl Sutter will be a calming approach on that. See, I, and I want to just jump in here real quick because I was thinking about that. And Daryl Sutter is one of the reasons why I think it's a, it's a buy because like I said, you, you see Johnny Gaudreau in that game against the Sens, like something went off for me when I saw him fire that puck into the corner on a two on two, that's a guy that dangles, makes things happen at the blue line zone entries. That's his spot where he makes magic happen. 
And to not have that creative touch, I don't know if he's frustrated. I don't know if he's being coached and told to do something differently with the system, but something's not right there. Number two on the buy or sell list, the Tim Peel issue. That was a big debate for the last sort of 24 to 36 hours here. It's opened up this floodgate of talk about officiating in the NHL. I'm saying makeup calls, they are a problem in the NHL, and it's something the league needs to address. Jason, buy or sell? Yeah, I'm selling on that. Uh, you know, makeup, Carrie Fraser explained it, and, you know, it's human nature. To, to, to eliminate it, it's pretty difficult. Um, I know I've seen all the studies, and they talk about how, you know, the next call in a game is this. Okay, but then let's go back and break down every one of them. Are they in a, was in a legit penalty? If it's a legit penalty, that's not a makeup call. It just happens that it went Edmonton and then Calgary and or New York and New York. It just happened to go that way. So I don't see where I watch, and I watch a ton of games, where I'm like, oh my goodness, that's an obvious makeup call. Does it happen at certain times? I believe it does, but I, but I don't think it's at a point where it's a, a prevalent issue that's ruining the integrity of the game. Like I have a hard time, no offense to Colin Campbell, when he wants to stand on his pulpit about the, the integrity of the game, when there's emails from him not liking calls against his son. Like I just have a hard time with that. This is an easy buy for me. I'm not suggesting for one second that these officials need to become robots They're the best in the world at what they do. Um, but the, this game needs to be called as the rule book says it is we fans, players, teams, everyone craves consistency. And the only way to do that is to call the game the same way from the preseason all the way until game seven of the Stanley cup final. And that's not to say, take the judgment away, but what we should do is get out of these guys heads because the call that's made on the ice should have nothing to do with the score, what period the game is, or which team took the penalty last. It should have everything to do with, is that call legit or is it not? And if it means that some really bad teams that can't skate or don't want to put in the effort have eight calls against them one game and the other team has zero, well, then guess what? These teams are going to learn how to adjust really fast. And that's what needs to happen in order for the NHL to get to the next level, because that's always always been one of the critiques. And in fact, it's, if I was a GM, it would be infuriating to me because that's what makes it so hard to build a team is that the game that you see in the regular season is different than the game that you see in the playoffs. And so to have that difference and to be building a team that needs to be good enough in the regular season to get in, but then it's a different game when you get there, that doesn't work for me. And that's the, that's one of the big reasons why it's so hard to predict a winner in the NHL. And I don't want it to become more predictable, but just get these refs out of their own heads, stop the game management and just go back to the rule book. I'm getting you guys I'll fired up. That, that means man. I'm doing a good job here. <laughs> yeah. uh, number three, you touched on the Philadelphia Flyers a little bit earlier on. They're getting smoked again by the New York Rangers the Flyers, they can buy all they want at the deadline. I don't think they have enough to get into the postseason. Frank, are you buying or selling? I am buying. I thought they were a firm playoff team. Uh, I thought the Bruins would be the team that was out. Carter Hart has surprised me. I thought he'd be better than he has been this season. They have, they never found a way to replace Matt Niskanen properly. Chuck Fletcher took the blame for that this week. Doesn't really matter to me what they buy. They have too much ground to make up. And unless the Bruins just totally uh, fall out of the race, once they come back from COVID, then I don't know. For me, I just see the Flyers on the outside looking in. 
Yeah, I'm buying too. And, and I thought I thought the Flyers would be really good. They're one of the best teams in the NHL in the second half of last season. I thought they would build off that. And they've completely fallen on their face. The fact that they're bottom five in goals against this year, that's got to be one of the biggest surprises in the National Hockey League. They, they have been an utter failure. And, you know, you look, how much does Voracek have left? He's, you know, he's looking right now as one of the worst contracts bang for your buck in the NHL. So they got a lot of problems in Philly uh, that I did not expect this season. Taylor Hall, one of the big names on the trade market. There's a lot of talk about what he could be worth here at the deadline. And I think the Sabres, they might need to take a bad contract, maybe not a brutal contract, but a bad contract back to do this. But I think they'll still end up getting a first round pick for Taylor Hall at the deadline. Jason, are you buying or selling? Yeah, I think so. You know, he's still got a heart trophy on his resume. And you know, if you look at all the underlying analytics uh, for them in, in Buffalo, it would suggest like his, what is, I think he's at like a 2.7 shooting percentage. <laughs> like That's not going to sustain itself. Uh, I, I think any player who gets traded out of Buffalo this season, the way it's gone in, in Buffalo, and it's nothing against the city. I've been to Buffalo. I don't mind the city at all. I'm just talking about the organization right now. It's Loserville. Like, you know, they're going to be losing 16 in a row. I don't care what rules the NHL calls it a winless streak. It's a, it's a losing streak and uh, it'll be like a breath of fresh air to get out of there. Um, they're going to have to retain half of his salary anyway uh, to make the deal. Um, so, you know, will they take something back more to get a first rounder? I think they will. And I, I think like, you know, there'll be some teams willing to do it. If it's not a first rounder, it's going to be a top prospect for sure. Yeah. I'm going to say sell because I think that's the only way they get a first rounder is if they take something awful in return, Taylor hall, you know, he's going to eat well based off of that resume and the heart trophy. And I know there's such a stink around the Sabres this year that it's so hard to evaluate their players. You know, I think you look at a number of guys on the trade bait board, whether it's Colin Miller or Brendan Montour, and you try and figure out are, are they okay players or are, is their production and their numbers this year? How much of that has to do with the Sabres and what's around them? Teams have struggled to sort that out, but I don't think Taylor Hall is anywhere near the player that he was a few years ago in New Jersey when he won that Hart Trophy, and I don't think he's worth a first-round pick. We've touched on the Canadian division a little bit here in the back half of the podcast, but I'm going back there for the final buy-or-sell question. The four Canadian teams holding a playoff spot right now, Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal. I'm going to say those four teams are going to be the playoff teams in the North. I think there'll be no race, and there'll be no change in the standings. Frank, you buying or selling? Buy, easy buy. Um, the, you know, Calgary, Vancouver, the wheels have fallen off. You know, Ottawa's obviously not in the mix. Those are the four teams, and that's it. The only intriguing part to me is what is the order of finish? Oh, I'm buying all day, but I'll say this. The race is massively important because Montreal, who I think is going to finish fourth, they've got to play starting Monday. If they start Monday, they're going to have to play 25 games in 44 days. So even though they'll make the playoffs, I think they'll be bagged. And if you finish first, you get to face Montreal while those other two teams battle each other. And I think that's a huge advantage. I know there's no fans uh, right now planned to be in the building. So home ice advantage will be that you get to take on a fatigue and like worn down Montreal team who still doesn't have the offense that those other three teams possess. So I think the, the race for first place becomes monumental because you're going to face such a tired Montreal team. 
an easy buy, just like Roblox or whatever the hell Frank was telling us uh, to get in on a couple of weeks ago there. Uh, that's Buy or Sell brought to you by Jock Market. Stay in the game. JockMKT.com is where you want to go. The promo code again, it's DFO20. It gets you a $20 deposit bonus. And I'm waiting. I'm itching for this thing to launch in Canada. Keep it locked on our Instagram daily phase off. We'll have that announcement the second it's available north of the border. Awesome. Uh, speaking Jay, of I want to fight you for one second on what you said about Montreal. I think the Montreal Canadiens win their first round playoff series against whoever they face. I what? think that team was built for the playoffs with their size and strength. You saw how tough they were to play against last year in the bubble. And I think there's something to that. You know, they they've struggled for a long stretch. They changed their coach. They're still kind of going through that awkward, I call it a hat phase. You know, when you get a haircut and, and you're trying to grow your hair out, but you got to wear a hat until your next, you know, until you're comfortable with everything. They're yeah, not yeah. there. They're not ready to take the hat off yet. But I think once they get in the playoffs, they'll be cruising along with the number of games that they've played. And when you size up, you know, the schedule changes for everyone that's going to be, you know, dealing with things over this last month, six weeks of the season. It's not that big of a difference in the grand scheme. Okay. I, uh, I just, I don't think Montreal has the offensive firepower and, uh, you know, where's that firepower been for a team like the Leafs in the playoffs last number of years. True. But they, but the Leafs are also, you know, they're playing. We're saying that's the team that they're going to play in the first round. Right. Well, if are you, you think it's a lock Toronto finishes first Toronto and the jets play each other six times. I don't think it's a lock, but I think that's who everyone thinks is going to win the North. Yeah. So, so, so wait a second. We're the last year where the Columbus blue jackets world beaters. Like, I mean, I, everyone's mentioned, you know, Tampa Bay, Boston. Yeah. Like they've run into some tough teams, but like Columbus, really? Like you can't, you can't make it through the series, the short series against Columbus. No, no, that's fair. Hey, but the, the Leafs, the Leafs offense, I think is, uh, um, they're, they, they've changed a little bit, but that's a valid point that the offense hasn't helped them for sure. But I will say this. If uh, I don't like Montreal as a matchup against Edmonton or Winnipeg, I actually probably like him best as a matchup against Toronto right now. Um, but if they matched up against Winnipeg, I look at Winnipeg would have the advantage in goal. Uh, Winnipeg's big forwards are aggressive, great four checking team. They got more skill up front. Um, and if they get that defense when you've been talking about Frank, well, then I would like Winnipeg for sure. And like Edmonton, you talked about it. So many people focused on the three games against Toronto. That was Toronto's maybe three best games of the year. Edmonton didn't play bad. Edmonton's 17 and four in their other 21 games. Yeah, in, I think you're right January about that. 30. But I think I, I'm banking on them playing the Leafs. Like that's that's the way I'm okay. looking at it when I say okay. that. But well, also play Montreal. See, I think I picked at the start of the year, I thought Edmonton would win the division. And I think Edmonton's in a good position now to win the division because their advantage, even though they got, they had their, all their games postponed, they still play fewer games than Toronto when they get started up down the stretch. So they don't, even though they got to put those three games back in, they'd already played way more games than everyone, but mm-hmm. their schedule isn't really condensed. So seven game series right now, Winnipeg, Edmonton, who do you got? Oof, man, that would be an awesome, I think it goes seven games and then it's a coin flip. Honestly, okay. I do. Like I've seen them play head to head this year. Every game's pretty much been a one goal game. Uh, I know Edmonton is four. So, and two so give me games. a winner. Give me. You can't give me the coin flip. Okay, I'll, I'll give. Well, based on today's rosters, I would take Edmonton. But if okay. Winnipeg adds a defense, when that changes things. So Montreal, Toronto is the other matchup. Seven game series. Who you got? I'd still take Toronto. Okay, so then you got Toronto and Edmonton. Now this is where I wanted us to get to because I wanted to ask you. Is Toronto just a bad matchup for Edmonton? 
I think they've played, I don't, you know, numbers aside, just visually, they've played Connor McDavid better than anyone else. They have. And uh, I'll say this, McDavid, and that's why I'm looking forward to the games this weekend. McDavid's a very proud player. And like he was visibly frustrated the last time the Leafs and the Oders played and, and really so was dry side. I'll ask Rob Tichkowski. Yeah. I, the McDavid factor against Toronto is fascinating to me because I think the, the Ray Ferraro told me as a player, sometimes getting embarrassed is much better than losing a close game because you can mm-hmm. tell yourself how ah, we were close, man, just a bad bounce, but the orders got absolutely shit canned mm-hmm. for three straight games against Toronto. And I think that's, that will help them if they match up against Toronto in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be, it would be fascinating. So, okay. I hope to see it, honestly. I'd love to see McDavid, oh, you know, dry That's, that's the best Martin. part. Everyone's been excited about the North Division this year. For me, the best part is the playoffs. Like any which way you slice up those matchups, you shift the order, finish around. Like the seven game series are going to be incredibly compelling. But, okay, so let's walk through our simulation one more step. Toronto. Edmonton, second round to go to the third round. Who you got? Yeah, I'd probably still take Edmonton. What part of Edmonton are you from again? No, I'm not from Edmonton. I'm from, hey, trust, don't see, that's what I hate. Don't give me the bleeping Homer card. I've, I've covered the orders for 20 uh, it's, years. I've, it's easy. I've to, it's easy, them. easy, easy. I've never picked them to win the division. Trust me, they were shit for years and I was the first one I wrote about it, but they're finally actually good. But too many people still watch the orders and think about 2011, 13, 15, 18. It's irrelevant until now. They they have the league's two best offensive players. You're not going to find an argument in me, game. and I I don't think I don't think Toronto has a leg up. I'm just like I'm legitimately curious about the matchup because, like I said, it just appeared different. So maybe these two games this weekend give us a different sense of how that plays out. But um, you know, I like I first, wouldn't hesitate at all to pick the Oilers. Yeah, like the first four games the two teams met, they were even games. Edmonton actually, the one game Toronto won, Edmonton had like 40 some shots. But it's those three games, and that's why I actually feel it sounds crazy, even though Edmonton lost. I think it benefits the Oilers more than the Leafs because Edmonton got so embarrassed. And all three games were in Edmonton, and that's all they've heard about. I actually think it motivates them where Toronto is like, oh, yeah, we can do that. They're not because those were Toronto's three best games of the year. I, I already told you that I don't like, I think Toronto could lose that first round series against Montreal. Like, so you're not going to find a, a leaf lover in me or a leaf fanboy. I get that all the time. Like, Oh, like Toronto media. I, I, I live in Philly and I've, I covered the flyers to start my career. There's no bias here at all. Um, my thing is I think there's a mental component that the Leafs have to get past before they can really do any damage. Like you get in the playoffs and you start thinking about your previous failures and a lot of that core, I know they reshape the defense, but still a lot of the same guys. And you're going to have to get that stink off of you before you can go any further. No, there is something he said about that. If they get close, but I would still take them over Montreal. That's why I think whoever finished, like I'll say this, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, whoever gets Montreal in the first round, I think they win in five or six. I, I see where you stand and I get your argument. I'm not convinced that the Winnipeg Jets aren't the best team in the division. Oh, I like the Jets. I think the one thing they lack is They're that, the team I'd pick at this very moment to come out of the, the North. Yeah, my concern is in the playoffs, Frank, I don't love their defensive makeup right now. And in the playoffs, that can be exposed more. 
And but what about if they, they add well, a Savard? Add. Or, yeah, I, I yeah. really think they're going to because I think they recognize that. And their defense is actually why I didn't think they were a playoff team. And I actually I had them, if I'm not mistaken, on the outside of the playoffs because I just wasn't sure about it and I didn't know what to do with Calgary. Um, and so I thought the changes Calgary made would get them in and, and Winnipeg would be out based on the defense. But their forwards have been so dynamic. Nick Ehlers has been such an underrated and underappreciated player in the division this year and full of superstars. And I don't know, Connor Hellebuck, like he's the best goalie in the North, is he not? So, oh, yeah. I, I, I like, I, I still, I feel pretty good about saying, I think the Winnipeg jets are a team that, that comes out of the North. Well, I, the one advantage that Edmonton has is scheduling because Winnipeg and Toronto play each other six times. Now Edmonton and Toronto only face each other twice. And th those games will happen this weekend, Saturday, Monday, then they're done. And when you look, so if we think Toronto Winnipeg are pretty even, well, they might split, right. And they go three and three that, that to me is the one advantage Edmonton has is that they, um, they just, they don't have to face Winnipeg that much. They only face, they only have five games against those two teams. Whereas, uh, you know, they play each other just six times. So. See, but just running through that simulation is like, that actually gets my juices flowing about this season and the odd format. And, the, you know, I, I don't know how much seeding is going to matter. Uh, you mentioned why you think it's important. I think it's just going to be throw it, like throw it all on the ice and see what happens. Should be fun, Frank. Yeah. Uh, Here's a fun one. Before next Friday, will we see an NHL trade? Well, I already lost because last Friday I said yes. I thought someone like the Leafs were going to step up and do it. Um, I kind of think this quarantine getting pushed back from 14 to 7 drags things out a little bit more because that runway that was starting to close in on some of these teams that were thinking like, oh, man, we're only going to get five or six or seven games out of these guys. Let's say a guy's traded on the 12th, flies out on the 13th, then starts a two-week quarantine. It's April 27th. Needs a couple of days to get back in the lineup and get his conditioning back. It's May 1st, and the season ends on May 11th. Like, just was too much. And I think this quarantine getting reduced sort of pushes things closer to April 12th. So, I don't know. I've been wrong once in the last week about that. I'm probably going to be over for 2. So, you're saying there will be a trade? I'm saying I don't think there will now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, because of that, because wrong, of the right. change in the quarantine. All right. Perfect. Frank, we will talk to you uh, on Monday when uh, Ken Hitchcock will uh, join us on the DFO Rundown. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.